0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Praise God. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Everybody say priesthood. priesthood. We're going to talk about the priesthood today, and I want you to know I'm talking to you. A royal priesthood, talking to you. A holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And then Luke chapter 1, we'll read three verses there. Luke chapter 1 and verse 8. This is out of the NIV. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty. Everybody said duty. He was serving as priest before God. He was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers, were praying outside because they couldn't be inside the tabernacle. And then the 23rd verse, when his time of service was completed, he returned home. And today I want to preach to you for a few minutes on this subject. When my duty becomes my delight. When my duty becomes my delight. God bless you, you may be seated. Zechariah was doing his duty. It was his job. And the Bible said at a certain or a specific time, he was to put the incense on the altar, which was already burning but it happened at a certain and a specific time. In the meantime, at the same time, others were worshiping outside of the tabernacle, again, during a specific time. The angel Gabriel appears this time, never before and never after, to Zacharias just one time in his entire life because you never know when God's got a messenger and a message for you. But it was this time. Zechariah only went home after his service or his duty was completed. Now, today I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a visual illustration and ask that you would do your best to preach my message. I'm gonna talk to you about something that many of you are familiar with, and I'm gonna give you some teaching on this and ask that you would apply it spiritually. Would you try to do that today? Try to do that today. My favorite sport when I was growing up was baseball. Loved baseball. Little boy used to get up and play baseball in the summer. It seemed like we played from dawn to dusk. Loved to play baseball. Baseball and fishing and hunting. Boy things. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I learned uh, about baseball by first watching it. I, I watched other people that were skilled playing baseball, are you being spiritual now and applying what I'm saying? I watched other people. Then I decided if, if I was gonna take this up for myself, I needed to read about it. I needed to study it. I needed to become, become familiar with the rules and, and the objectives of being a baseball player. Then I decided that after I had done enough watching and I had done enough reading, I would eventually have to pick up a glove and a bat and actually get in the game and play. I wasn't very good when I started out. I've, I've never been a natural athlete. Anything that that is worth investing your time and energy in takes a lot of practice. and. It takes a lot of effort if you wanna really be good at it. Are you preaching with me today? It isn't something that, that you are naturally inherent with. But I decided that I was going to do whatever it took to be the best baseball player that I could be. I realized that there were other people on my team that were better ball players than I was. Sometimes they were playing the position that I wanted to play, but in all honesty, they were just better than I was. So I learned in a big hurry that the key to being a part of a team is being willing to play multiple positions. If we had a really good shortstop and there was an opening at second base, then I need to learn how to play second base. And if that guy gets his job back and I have to move instead of sulking about it, then I need to learn to play another position. Whatever, hear me now, whatever is best for the team, whatever is needed to accomplish the goal, I must be willing to do that, even if I can be just a little bit jealous of somebody else having my position. I learned in a big hurry too that I needed to have the best equipment possible. I remember when I was, when I was a sophomore in high school and playing on, uh, on varsity baseball and Brother Flick, by the way, Brother Flick is gonna critique my message today because he was a semi-professional baseball player. So if I don't do a good job, you can correct me later, okay? But he's a very good baseball player, better than I was. But I I, I learned that I needed to get together with people that were better than I was if I wanted to improve myself. Now, some people are really cocky and arrogant. They don't want to teach. They don't want to train. They're not concerned about anything on this team but themselves, their statistics, and their position. If it's that way in baseball, it can happen even in the church. But I have learned that as I get older, I need to mentor as many people as I can. I get more coaching than playing. I've learned some things along the way that could help somebody else. I met a young man, his name was Tim Jacoby. He was a very humble man, and he played the position that I wanted to play. But he was always kind to me. Matter of fact, the very first pair of spikes that I ever got were hand-me-downs from Tim Jacoby. Isn't that amazing that I can remember that after all these years? And sometimes I can be in a room and forget why I came, you know. (laughs) But Tim Jacoby said, listen, when you get equipment, take your time and save for it and get the best equipment, get the best. So, they gave us a uniform and I went out and the first thing I purchased was the best baseball glove that I could find. This is a Wilson. This is one of the best brands of baseball equipment that you can get. Don't oh, get them cheap plastic ones at Kmart. You know, for a few bucks, that are going to crack on you and fall apart on you. And I mean, get a really, really good glove if you're going to play baseball. Might take you a little longer to save for it, but it's going to be worth it. And you know what? Treat. Is anybody preaching with me still? Okay, I'm just checking. And when you get this precious thing that you have to pay for. Treat it with respect. Saddle soap it. Put a ball in the, in the webbing here where you want to catch. You, wanna, you don't want to catch the ball on your fingers or on the heel or on your thumb. You want to catch it in the webbing right here. So put the ball right there and tie it shut once it's nice and moist, and you'll get a really good pocket. Treat this equipment well. And you will because it costs you a lot of money. Now, don't go with their bats. Get your own bat. Anybody still preaching with me? Get your own bat. This is my son's bat. This is an Easton. Again, this is one of the best aluminum bats that you can purchase. Now, it's expensive. But when you think about the number of times that you practice with it, and how important it is to be a good hitter, spend a little extra, and get a really good bat. we got we to make an investment in our ministry. Not everything that you get, you should get for free. You won't appreciate it nearly as much. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that you get some of this example of what I'm saying here, so I'm going to give you another visual illustration. When when I played ball, I played several nights a week. So it's not uncommon for me to make the transition from, from being a ball player to being a Christian. I'm used to being in church. It was a ball field for me. Might have been something else for you. Might have been cheers. Or everybody knew your name or whatever. I don't know. But you, you were going to church somewhere. You were paying a lot of money. A lot more than you'd pay for a bat and a glove and a uniform. But you were paying a lot of money to do what you wanted to do, what you thought was going to bring you happiness. But before I even really got to be solid in the church, I got involved in a home Bible study. And that home Bible study turned me on. I was so excited about that. And I put my glove and my bat away for a while. I I took off the uniform and I went another direction. I wanted to know Jesus. I wanted to know him through his word and eventually through his spirit. And I found somebody that had already made an investment. This guy bought himself a really good easel. This is my easel, by the way. My wife and I bought this easel. It goes with us to wherever we're teaching a home Bible study. It's an inv- it is not a cheap one. It's a good one. This this chart here, this home Bible study chart, we bought this chart. This belongs to Sister Kylie and I. And along with this chart, I picked up a teacher's manual. You know, I got to thinking, Brother Matson, Brother matson has been raised in the church. Uh, he's a little over 60. <laughs> I'm picking on people today. I wonder how many messages in your lifetime, Brother Matson, teaching and preaching and revivals and seminars, I, re- I wonder how many we've heard over the years. You know, if you're in the church long enough, sometimes you can hear the preacher speak and he starts to say something on a subject, and you're already five minutes ahead of him. I heard this before. We do that sometimes. I, my pastor and I, I, I never told him this, but I don't know how many times he told the same stories. But one day, he said something that I didn't forget. He said, you know what? I sense that somebody in here says, I've heard that story too many times. But he said, if you had a visitor sitting next to you, it would be their first time and it would mean everything to them to be able to relate to a situation that you're in right now, right now. And so let me give you this plug. I'm making, in case you didn't get it, I'm making a transition from baseball to home Bible studies to duty to service for God. I've pushed it be, from the beginning of the year, and I'm going to keep pushing, it, and I'm going to keep pushing it hard. I've pushed that we need to be involved in home Bible studies. I'm seriously considering walking up to you, and instead of saying, praise the Lord, I'm, I'm going to say, how's your Bible study going? The one that's in your home, the one where you're bringing a friend, the one you're teaching, the one you're praying for, the one that you're taking care of their kids so that they can hear the Word of God. How's your Bible study going? Because you see, when I first came into the church, everything was about fellowship and Bible studies. Now, pick on Brother Larson for a minute. Brother Larson, you've told us your conversion story several times. I love your story. But that story needs to be repeated in 2017. We need to have somebody that says, hey, Brother and Sister, well, I don't call them Brother and Sister Larson right away, but hey, Dave and Chris, would you come over for dinner? Little did they know that the people that invited them had been praying for them, had been fasting for them, had been trying to run into them and waiting for the opportunity to invite them over for an evening. And then Brother Larson says, and they taught us the whole Bible study in one night. What are we doing in 2017 versus what we did back then? Why aren't we pairing up with people and saying, you know what, here's a couple that I've been praying for. Would you join us in prayer? Let's pray and fast for this couple, and then we're going to invite them over to our house for fellowship, and we'll see if they'd be interested in a Bible study, or we're going to invite them to church. Let's do this together. Where are the fellowshippers? This is apostolic, fellowship is apostolic, folks. They continue in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread. Are we still getting together with one another? Are we still having people over for dinner and talking about the things of God? Are we ganging up on the world and and trying to bring them into our circle and, and get them in a Bible study? Well, I can't teach a Bible study, Brother Kylie. Why not? If you're like Brother Mattson, you've heard thousands of messages. You don't know anything about Adam and Eve? You know how many lessons you got to teach? One. One. That's why I brought lesson one. You don't teach lesson 12. I don't know enough about Revelation. You're not teaching Revelation. You're teaching lesson one. Vince Lombardi said, this is a football. Well, I'm not smart enough. I wasn't paying enough attention. This is a teacher's manual. Read it. Prepare it one lesson at a time. This is very, very important. This is a Bible. Read Highlight scriptures. This is a concordance. So I'm not real good at finding scriptures in the Bible. I know that one where it says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but I don't know where it's at. Well, look up, believeth. It's in the Gospels. You know that, and you'll find it. But it is gonna take some study, and it's gonna take some effort. Use a visual like a chart. See, you can take this stuff and replace it with this stuff. Now, I'm not saying baseball's a sin. You're you're missing the point. I'm saying we've learned some things that we can now apply spiritually. Somebody said amen. amen. All right. Let me wrap this up here about this sports thing. I didn't always perform well. Now, Brother Flick will get this right away. If you're the second baseman and a batter bunts the ball, your job is to go from your second base position to first base to cover first base. Because the first baseman and the third baseman will be running in to field the bunt. But somehow, I had a brain lapse. And with two outs, and in a tie game, our opponent bunted, and I froze. I didn't think you'd bunt with two outs. You usually bunt to sacrifice, but there was a guy on third, and they wanted that run. I made a mistake. Funny thing about a baseball field, there isn't any place to hide. I mean, everybody knows where you're supposed to be. You're not there. And the other team scores a run and you only have one at bat left. I felt so terrible that I wanted to quit the team. I felt like such a failure. I had let all of my teammates, is anybody preaching with me today? I had let all of my teammates down because of my failure we were now behind by a run. I went to my coach after the game. It's the only time I can ever remember doing this. I went to my coach and I said, Coach, I am so embarrassed that I gave up that run that I, I feel I just need to quit this team. You know what my coach said? He said, Kylie, they never call you by your first name. They said, Kylie, we win as a team and we lose as a team. You weren't the only guy that made a mistake in this game. There were lots of other opportunities that we could have done better. So just suck it up and get back out there and field your position. Is anybody going to preach with me today? (laughs) Have you ever felt like you failed the team? Like you're the weak link? like you're not good enough. Well, just get back up and try again. I also learned this. I learned to get along with my teammates. I respected my coach. I didn't always agree with him, but I respected him and did what I was told to do. I got along with my teammates, even the arrogant ones. Is anybody preaching with me today? I learned, too, that that when I put on the uniform, that the name on the front was more important than my name on the back. Coach Brooks of the USA hockey team, you might remember the miracle on ice when the USA defeated the Russians. That's what he taught them. The name on the front is more important than your name on the back. This isn't about us, folks. And then finally, I want to share this with you. Game day. (sighs) I was an addict. I was addicted to sports. I lived for it. Studied it, watched it, played it. It's where I tried to get my joy from. Game day, let me show you how serious game day is for an addict. After breakfast on a game, now remember I'm playing three nights a week. After breakfast, I fasted. I would never eat lunch. I would never eat supper. I would listen to music. I would think about the game I would get to the game early, warm up, stretch out, take a few swings. I I arrived early. I didn't arrive at game time. I arrived early because I needed to be ready from the first pitch. Is anybody preaching with me today? When that first pitch is thrown, the game is on. Nothing else matters. Nothing, not the economy, not politics, not problems. The only thing that matters for that 45 minutes is baseball. And you hone in, and you zero in on this, and you shut everything else out. You don't talk to anybody before a game. You just get in there and you're in, a, you're in a zone. You see, I was prepared. I fasted. I arrived early. I gave 100%. I didn't eat until after my service. After my duty had been completed. I loved baseball. 2 Timothy chapter 2. You see, the church is God's bride. It's God's team. It's God's army. 2 Timothy 2 and 1 says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things that you have heard, this goes along with what I've been preaching, you heard of me, Among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men. Teach other people how to play. And they will be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier. No more man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Now I'm just gonna be real raw, And open with you. Sometimes coming to church is a duty. I said it. The reason you didn't say amen is because you wanted to be spiritual and say, oh no, I love going to church. I love those seven prayer meetings that we have throughout the month. I love going to church on a Wednesday night after I've worked hard all day and it's snowing outside and I'm beat. I love it. I just. I never consider staying home and watching TV until I go to bed. I don't. Sunday morning, I can't wait for 8 o'clock to come so that I can be a part of the music team and part of the choir. Very quiet in here right now. Sometimes it is duty. It's duty. Let's tell the truth. Tell the truth. It's duty. I don't need it. Picking on Brother Matson again. I've heard enough messages. He never said that, by the way. I've heard enough messages. I don't like the guy that's speaking tonight. I know what the schedule is. I don't like that guy. I'll wait till the other guy speaks that I like. But what if that's the time that the angel comes? What if that's the service? that you've been praying, oh God, give me an answer, I need to have an answer from you, I can't hear for myself. And God says, I'm working on it, I'm preparing that preacher. That preacher's gonna give that message on this particular night. And if you're not there for your duty, if you're not there for your service, you're gonna miss the message. I can't tell you how many times I've counseled in a week and people have come in and said, oh, we're really having trouble with our marriage and I need some help. I said, I just taught on this two weeks ago. Well, I was tired that night. My pastor used to say, "If the church doors are open, you better be in." Well, I don't feel like it, duty. Duty. Three questions. If you're taking notes, please write this down. I'm going to give you an excuse to not be here Wednesday night. Ready? But you have to answer these three questions first. Here's the three questions you have to ask yourself. Is my not going to church a good example of my leadership? So I'm not a leader. Yes, you are. There's children, there's family. You're a part of this team. Yes, you are. You're a leader. You might not be a department head, but you're still a leader. People are looking to you. That's question one. Question two, is this a good example of my devotion to God? The decision I'm about to make. And question number three, is this a good example of my service to others? Zechariah wasn't there for Zechariah. He was there because he was a priest. His division, their time was up, and the lot for lighting or for burning the incense fell to him. It was his duty to others. It didn't benefit him. See, that's what really concerns me. There's a spirit in the world, the first question that comes out of their mouth is, how does this benefit me? That should never be the question we ask in the church. How does this benefit me? I don't need this. Let me put it to you this way. It is an honor to be on this team. It is an honor. It is not a right. It is an honor to be on this team. You know the way the service began today? I don't know if you heard the worship leader. She stood up and said, good morning, abundant life. She included you in her greeting. She recognized that this church is called Abundant Life, and you're on this team. It is an honor to be on this team. Therefore, I will study, I will give, I will practice, I will serve, I will get along with others, I will do my duty. My duty. Psalm 37 and verse 3. Four things. Psalm 37 and verse 3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. And look at number two Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Number three, Verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. And verse 7, rest in the Lord. My duty becomes my delight. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I'm glad it's Sunday morning. I'll be glad when it's Wednesday night. I'll be glad for the next prayer meeting. I will get great joy out of teaching somebody a whole Bible study and winning, winning them to Christ. For he that winneth souls is wise. I wanna be a winner, not just in baseball scores. I want God to be able to say, Well done, you good and faithful pastor. No. Elder? No. Leader? No. Servant? Well done, you good and faithful servant. You did your duty. You were faithful. But you know what? It becomes a delight. I can tell you that a lot of times I've come to church, I'm just being honest with you, I've come to church every bit as tired as you, put on my plastic face, and gave my best. And you know what? Once the presence of God came in, I wasn't nearly as tired. Once I heard a good message, once somebody prayed for me, once I prayed for somebody else and felt like I made a difference, once I became a servant, everything changed. Instead of a duty, it became a delight. I'm glad to do it. Got that rope on there, brother? There. Can you put up the tabernacle, Sister Kylie? Here's where I'm gonna stop today. Here's the tabernacle. You'll notice the outer courtyard. Notice the first thing is that there needs to be a sacrifice, it's called the brazen altar. After the sacrifice is made, after the death is put on the altar, then the next thing that the priest in his duty must go to is the brazen laver where he will wash so that he will not be carrying any sin into the holy place. Inside the holy place, there will be a golden candlestick, a table of showbread, and an altar of incense in the holy place. He will minister in this totally canvassed area, and there will be a purple veil that separates the holy place from the far side, which is the holy of holies, which represents the presence of God. Now, I said all that to just lay this out before you. The priest, when he goes in, will have a bell attached to the side of his garment, and he will have a rope tied around his leg. The reason is, is that if you're not a priest, you can't go in the tabernacle. And so they will drag you out if God strikes you dead because you thought you didn't need to go to a brazen altar. You didn't need to go to a laver, an altar of incense, a golden candlestick, or the table of showbread. You thought you could just walk right into the presence of God. And so if you tried that, God would kill you. Well, where's the God of love now, huh? He means what he says, Folks. So if you decide that you're going to skip some things, he might jerk your chain just a little bit. Just give you a little nudge of a warning. You better do things the way I asked you to do them. I think you got the point, so I don't want to belabor it. We cannot, listen, we cannot come to the house of God unprepared. can't walk in here at 7.15 on a Wednesday night. 10.15 on a Sunday morning. I appreciate the people that, that came here, all this music team that comes on a Sunday morning, 8 o'clock. And 8 o'clock worship is going on in the sanctuary. It's not just practice. I, I watch these musicians. They're gifted. I don't have the same gift that they have. They're worshiping while they're practicing. You know why? We think it's a duty. I don't want to be there at 8 o'clock in the morning. Are you kidding me? I, I'm on, I haven't had my third cup of coffee. But they come early. And they create an atmosphere. And then another big group of people came in here today because today was morning prayer. And they come in and they pray and they burn their incense. And they create an atmosphere. And then we have a worship service and then we have the preaching of the word and and you know what the preacher's going to say in just a couple minutes what he's going to say. You know him. Hey folks, why don't we come to the altar today and consider what we've heard? Why don't we come to the altar today and thank God for what he's done? Why don't we come to the altar today and, and really give our lives to God today? Don't run through the tabernacle into the holy of holies. Don't do it. Somebody said amen. When I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, how he healed me, to the uttermost. Oh, it makes me want to shout. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy. Here's the thing that scares me, and this is where we'll stop today. Sister Kylie, let's stand together. Revelations chapter 2. church at Ephesus nevertheless I have somewhat against thee because you left your first love do you remember what it was like when you first received the Holy Ghost how excited you were how zealous you were how you went to everybody and told everybody about your new experience next verse remember from whence you are fallen and repent see that Don't run into my presence. Repent and go back and do your first works. Get back to fellowshipping. Get back to teaching home Bible studies and having people in your home and making your home an evangelism center like you used to, Brother Larson, like we used to. We need to go back to that. Do your first works. If you don't, I'm warning you. I'll come unto you quickly and I'll remove your candlestick out of this place except you repent. That's a warning for us as the church of Jesus Christ. I have given you a warning today from God. First love, first works. Because if you don't, God's gonna take the light out of your life. And you'll be stumbling around in darkness wondering where God is and where are the answers to your prayers. So we need to approach God just as I did as a baseball player. It's Wednesday. I can't wait for church tonight. And I'm going to get there early for prayer. And when that service begins, when they throw the first pitch, I'm going to give 100% to that service. I'm not going to think about myself, problems, or anything else. I'm going to stay focused. I'm going to be a team player. I'm going to look for somebody that I can minister to, somebody that I can help. I will give 100%. And when the service is over, here's the last thing I'm gonna share with you. When the service is over, I thank God that Abundant Life has not lost its desire to come to the holy of holies, to the altar. I'm glad for that. I'm glad that probably 90% of our people do that. But here's something that bothers me, and I'm gonna say it. We spend too much time Praying for ourselves and our own families and not enough for others. I would love to see a couple, and you know, it's great, you know, brother and sister Dredska, you want to come to the altar and pray and you pray with one another. Then get up, brother and sister Dredska, and go over here and pray for this couple. How can I help you? What can we agree on? If two or more agree on any touching, touching any one thing, it shall be done. Minister to one another. Be a servant. And when Zechariah completed his service, completed his duty, when God said, all right, you've done what I've asked, then Zechariah, That's when he went home. And that's when he ate. Just like we did after the ball games. We're all hungry. And we wanted to talk about the ball game together. Shouldn't the church be the same way? Church is over. Let's all go have some lasagna together and talk about what an awesome move of God we had and how good God is. And and let's drag a visitor back there with us and say, hey, would you join us today for lunch? I'm buying. Anybody ever take a visitor out after church anymore? So that your duty can become your delight. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177